0: What are the basics of sick leave entitlement for employees? This is Stuff Employers Should Know. Welcome to Stuff Employers Should Know. Proudly brought to you by LabourNet, management's ultimate HR solution. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Barry Gordon-Davis, and over there is Yasser Like at Ismail. And today we're going to be discussing the basics of sick leave entitlement.
1: Yeah, man, we've been getting some uh, emails relative to the topic, so let's go through some of the common questions.
0: Yeah, the, the basics of it.
1: So, Firstly, what's everybody's entitlement to sick leave? Uh, How many days do we get? What's the period that it's calculated over? And uh, when can I take it? Cool. Let's
0: get that out of the way. So how the Basic Conditions of Employment Act is written, specifically in Section 22, uh, which is obviously applicable to all employees, you know, and many people work different hours, different shifts, different days of the week. So how they write it is they say that your sick leave entitlement is equal to how many days you would work in a six week period. And that entitlement would then be over a uh, cycle of 36 months. So for basically how many working days fall within six weeks or consecutive weeks over a three-year period. And that's how you would then calculate what the sick leave entitlement is. We need to note that for the first six months of employment, though, an employee is only entitled to one sick day for every 26 days actually worked. But then after six months, that full leave entitlement kicks in. And that cycle runs from the date of employment it's not a uh, january to december
1: unless that person actually started on the first of january that sounds like some very complicated maths just tell me if i'm getting it right so if we're looking at a 36 month period we're looking at how many days exactly of sick leave so if you are working
0: monday to friday then that would effectively be five times six and that's how you would then get your 30 days for three years. No, thanks for clearing that up. I was about to pull out my calculator. <laughs> and then, yeah, you just times basically the, the amount of days work per week times six. That's the easiest way to then do it. We obviously don't get
1: uh, paid if you don't work on weekends. And that's why those consecutive days don't get added to it. All right. That makes sense. And then, Barry, um, what does an employee need to provide if they're going on sick leave or if they've been incapacitated due to an injury?
0: Yes, and now we know that a podcast on its own would be the validity of the proof of incapacity. But for the purposes of uh, the basics, proof of incapacity in terms of the basic conditions of Employment Act is required when absence is for more than two days or if there's a twice or an employee is absent twice
1: within an eight-week period. Okay, but obviously, we, we get some strange situations. Um, and obviously, there's two situations that come to my mind. Um, say, for example, I am booked for, or rather, scheduled root canal. Okay. Uh, I know that I'm going for this procedure in the next three months. Do I get to book that specific day as sick leave?
0: Yeah. So we need to understand that sick leave in particular and what sick leave is, um, it's, it's, we need to understand it's not an entitlement and people don't foresee that they're going to be sick. So, you know, you don't know that you're going to be sick tomorrow and not able to fulfill your contractual obligations so it's more of a reactive thing so the sick leave entitlement is more to the pay due to the fact that you have found yourself incapacitated so there has to be proof of incapacity and the the emphasis is the fact that the employee would have rendered services if not for a incapacity injury of some form which renders them unfit for duty So the fact that somebody is going for a checkup, let's say it's for, uh, let's say an annual checkup, a medical checkup, or even to go and get a checkup at the dentist or wherever. Now, that's not an incapacity. The person is not incapacitated as a result thereof. But let's say, for example, an employee finds themselves incapacitated from an elected procedure. The medical practitioner would then go and effectively provide proof of incapacity and say that this person has now been incapacitated as a result of, in your example, the root canal. Afterwards, the meds that we put you on are so strong that you are just all over the place and in an unfit state to work as a result of this or incapacitated. The employer would then go and apply sick leave. But the initial going for a checkup or going to um, get your annual medical done, that would actually form part of your normal annual leave entitlement. It's
1: something that is foreseeable. All right, cool. So elective checkups, stuff like that, that obviously would be annual.
0: Uh, Also, um, where you get medical practitioner notes that are provided from, let's say, just a checkup, Uh, it's not proof of incapacity. It just says that Yasser was present at my clinic and came and collected his monthly subscription. That is not obviously then proof of incapacity. That's proof that you were present collecting your monthly subscription. The entitlement to the pay is when you actually find yourself incapacitated for whatever reason.
1: All right, that's actually a really good point when employers need to check the validity of uh, medical certificates and the detail that they actually provide. 100%
0: and I think the one that catches employees out sometimes is clinic notes where there might be a genuine incapacity but the person provides them or the, and, and we've heard, had horror stories of clinic notes being handed out by security guards at the, at the entrance of clinics. Um, but they genuinely were there. They might genuinely have been ill, but they did not go and ensure that they obtained the appropriate and adequate valid proof of their incapacity. And that onus is on the employee to provide the proof. In terms of the BCA, it says that the employee in those circumstances has to provide valid proof to the employer.
1: All right, my mind is running away uh, with a few more different situations, but I think we'll have a separate episode uh, based on the details relative to The validity to of sick notes is something that can go on forever. <laughs> and unfortunately, we don't have forever. I, did, I do think that we touched on it a bit
0: in, uh, when we were talking about traditional healers and um, right. specifically with that. We did talk about uh, the, the valid sick note when it comes to that. 100%. I think we spoke about it with Audrey. But, yeah, I agree. I think that uh, uh, the, the valid proof of incapacity is a podcast on its own.
1: Definitely. 100%. Okay, like Let's, uh, let's move on to my next question. So what about the common practice of employers that have a policy that says uh, if you're sick on a Monday or a Friday or even after a public holiday, you would then need to provide proof of your incapacity, whereas the BCEA would say that you only need to provide proof if you've been absent for two days or more.
0: Yes, I love this question. and It comes up all the time. Most of the seminars I do, somebody will put up their hand and say, but this is contradictory because the BCA says that you only have to provide proof of incapacity when there's absence for more than two days or twice within an eight-week period. However, the employer then goes and imposes a policy and now we understand that the, the rationale behind this, and that the employer is trying to curb abuse of sick leave, where they then say that regardless of how many days you're absent, if it falls on a Monday or Friday before after a public holiday or a common one just after payday, you then, regardless of the number of days, have to provide proof of incapacity. And employers uh, enforce this rule is then questioned as to, is it then not contradictory to the basic conditions of Employment Act? Now, what we need to understand is is that the purpose of the policy is to curb abuse of sick leave. So the employer has the entitlement to go and enforce policy. But in terms of the BCEA, the entitlement to the pay is still valid, which means that we cannot go and withhold the pay of that individual when they are absent on a Monday, Friday, before, after a public holiday and the like. But we can find them in breach of company policy and procedure. So they would still receive pay in terms of the Basic Conditions of Employment Act, but they can be disciplined in terms of company policy for breach of company policy and procedure in that regard.
1: All right. I I think that makes a lot of sense, and and that put things into perspective. Um, You're listening to this, obviously, on a Monday, and it is the weekend after payday. So employers, I hope you've listened to that carefully.
0: That's it. It is. It is. It's just after payday. So this is that one where the employers are going to be going and checking sick leave notes. And uh, as I say, and and that's actually a good follow-up to that, is that um, a lot of people now with regards to questions about poppy and the like, they might say, isn't it an invasion of my privacy that the employer then goes and checks the validity of my sick note? Now, what we need to understand that a sick note itself, the actual document is hearsay evidence of that incapacity. So nothing stops an employer for reasonably going and checking the validity of a sick note, specifically if it suspects that somebody is abusing sick leave. Um, And this goes with any sick leave, even if it uh, falls out of the the confines of that policy or procedure. An employer has the entitlement to go and check in with the medical practitioner. Remember, their actual viva voca evidence would be the one that is required to then validate a medical certificate um, if the employer has any... even hint that it might be invalid Um, and also where a employee has gone and abused sick leave by with all due respect we all know that um, no medical practitioner in the world will be able to tell somebody that says that they're sick that they're actually lying Uh, however they can on their medical assessment go and say well i believe that this person might be actually abusing it
1: all right so so it's obviously avoidance of uh, abusing that sick leave
0: and the employers are entitled to go and check it out. Indeed they are. They're not invading your privacy. Now, and 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 I want to follow up on that as well because uh, employees might say, well, you know, you're not entitled to go and see what my condition is. The employer is not concerned with the nature of the illness. We are not concerned with anything other than the medical practitioner stating that the employee is in an unfit state to work due to incapacity, Ill health, injury, whatever the case may be, they don't have to disclose the nature of it in particular. We just want to know that in a medical expert's opinion, this person cannot work. And that's what gives them that entitlement to the pay when they find themselves unable to provide their contractual obligations.
1: Barry, all this talk about public holidays and long weekends uh, has got my mind uh, off on a cruise somewhere. Um, And that brings another situation to mind. So I've gone ahead and booked uh, annual leave which has been approved by my employer. I'm yes. off on a cruise. Um, You're on the Mediterranean. Oh. oh I can smell <laughs> the salty water. Covid's heal, uh, a
0: distant imaginary occurrence and everybody's
1: on the sun deck, no masks. <laughs> oh, what a life, what a life. It's a dream. Okay, so I'm obviously on my cruise. Um, I then fall ill. I'm cabin bound.
0: Yeah, you, had, you, you definitely dipped into that buffet food.
1: Hey? No, that, yeah, that's for sure. That's for, You can't say no to that buffet food. <laughs> anyway, you
0: find yourself uh, driving not the boat but the porcelain bus. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, you're turning my uh, dream into a nightmare, Barry. So what happens when I've fallen ill? Can I call up my employer and be like, hey… Um, I know I've booked annual leave, but I'm actually now sick on my annual leave. Yes. Can I convert that leave the to sick leave? And the doctor
0: board has got a valid sick note for you. Now, at the end of the day, remember, sick leave entitlement is where you were going to avail yourself of work. And the only reason why you are now not at work is because you have woken up and you're incapacitated and unable to perform your duties. When you're on a period of annual leave, there's no expectation for you to work. So there's no reason for us to convert it into into sick leave because there was no expectation that you would have to. So it's not going to then go – I mean, it would create a, um, a situation of now we're having to go and credit one for the other. That's not going to happen. You weren't expected to work. You're still on your
1: annual leave, and then it's not going to be converted to sick leave. Okay, so I'll just avoid calling my employer when I'm on the cruise.
0: Stay away from the buffet. And remember, if you're sitting on a cruise in the Mediterranean, how would you have been able
1: to avail yourself anyway? 100%. That that makes a lot of sense. Yes. Okay. So the sick leave entitlement would not kick in. All right. uh, Thanks for your insight, Barry. This has been awesome.
0: Riffing together. That's it for the short episode on Stuff Employers Should Know. Please, as always, send us an email. Let us know if there's any other situations regarding sick leave that uh, we might not have covered and that you want us to then cover in the next episode about it. Or hit us up on social media. As always, try and hit that subscribe button and hit that like button if you are listening. And from myself, BGD, and yes, staying safe, staying out of the sick bay, till the next episode. Cheers. Stuff Employers Should Know was proudly brought to you by LaborNet, management's ultimate HR solution. For more episodes from Stuff Employers Should Know, go
1: to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you play your favorite shows. Case law or statutes referenced in the podcast are current at the time of recording.